From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 174, and today I'm joined by Andrew Fung. If you're a fan of Kim's Convenience, then you know who this multi-Canadian Screen Award winning actor is. And we're going to sit down with him and my son and watch a film together. Sort of. All right, so we're sitting down via quarantine. Um, I'm Jeremy Lalonde. I have seen this film quite a few times. I'm Ephraim. I have not seen this film. And Ephraim, how, how old are you, man? Uh, 11. 11. This, I, I'm, I assume this is a good time for him to see it. Yeah. It's not bad. And you haven't seen the film, right, Andrew? No, I, I'm Andrew Fung. Um, I have not seen this film. Um, and Jeremy reached out to me. We've been trying to do this for weeks. Um, so two parents in quarantine. And, and Jeremy, you kind of asked me, like, what's a movie you haven't watched yet? And I was like, well, there's a lot of movies I haven't watched. I'm a parent. I don't watch. I haven't seen any of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Holy uh, shit. After, after, <laughs> after Captain America... Civil War, maybe after Iron Man three, I haven't seen any of the of the cinematic universe outside of the Spider Man. I've seen the, the two Spider Man movies. Nice. Um, but How, so I got a question before we dive into this. Yeah. Out of curiosity, then, because those ones are so intertwined with what's going on around those, how do those stand up on their own? Um, the first one, uh, the first Homecoming was was I really enjoyed Homecoming. The second one, I felt like. I would have enjoyed more if I had seen the two previous Avengers movies. Yeah. But the reason why I haven't watched them is because my son was born right around maybe civil war after Iron Man three. And I just realized there was going to be a point where he's going to want to watch all of these even more. So now that literally a guy in his life is going to be a superhero in the cinematic universe. Yeah. I know you, your buddies are Sam. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so, um, uh, 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 you know, he, he's going to, he's going to have these questions. So I, I, I was like, okay, let's, let's put it off to the side. And so, um, when, when Simu was cast, I was like, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let that be. Um, and Nico's kind of been asking, he's like, so who's Simu going to be in the movies? Like what's, what's his power? And I literally have to say, I don't know like yeah. I, I don't i don't I, know much about that character either to be honest with you yeah same yeah it was interesting yeah. he was getting to the right age to start watching them when um the second avengers came out and mm. so from that one on so i went and bought the we got like the suitcase it came with the suitcase that came oh with yeah, the, yeah yeah tesseract yeah so i bought that because i hadn't owned them any yet so i bought that blu-ray set he and i watched them all together to cut, catch them up and then since then it's been it's been one of our things that we do together too I, I, there's a funny story about that because Paul Sun Young Lee, my co-star on Kim's, saw that set at the Saskatoon Expo, and he, and he does own. this thing. Pardon? And then, and then he built his own. <laughs> not, not, not that. But I think he wanted it. But then he, Paul, has this habit where he's like, "I'll just leave it. I'll come back for it tomorrow." And I'm like, "Yo, you see something? You buy something. You don't know it's go- it's gonna go. If you want it, someone else wants it." And I think he came back and it was gone. That's happened many times to him. I got lucky. We I got it at BMV for like half the price. Oh, that's the best. Yeah. And that's that's what's going going with these stores closing and everything going online. I think that's what I miss. You walk into a store that you just kind of decided to go through to on a whim and you find the thing that you're like, I want this thing. And it's like half off or like 75% off. And I'm like, I have such great stories about sneakers and and, and, and toys that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, same with us. 
So Ferris Bueller. So it makes sense that he hasn't seen it. He's 11. What's your excuse? And I'm not so, trying so to my, shame you. I'm excited no, that you no. haven't seen it. My choice is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And, and I, yeah, you're, you're right. I, when you asked me this question, I was like, well, I could pick a movie that I obviously haven't seen. But I want to dive into something that almost everyone has seen. Love it. And then when people find out that I haven't seen, they're just like, you haven't? And my, my, I said to my wife last night, I'm like, oh, I got to watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off today. And she's like, wait, you haven't seen it? And I'm like, no. And she's like, what? And I think the only thing I've seen from that movie is maybe a scene where he's singing on like a parade float. Um, but I feel like that's the only thing I know about it. So when people would reference it in, in passing, I'd always be like, ha, and I just nod my way through the conversation. I've never seen it. That's it, awesome. I never that's got around to it. I, I will neither confirm nor deny that. Um, that so do, what else do you know? Anything? Well, he has a day off. Like I think he's skipping school that day. Um, and, 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 and that's, that's all I know. Um, but when I was a kid, if I was ever given the choice of watching a movie, I would just always watch Bloodsport. Like, and, and Ephraim, you probably haven't seen Bloodsport, but when you are ready to see Bloodsport, um, it's a classic eighties martial arts movie, um, that still holds up for the most part. Um, but I would just always choose like American Ninja three. Like I would always choose these weird, uh, movies like that were made by Canon films. Cause I just really like martial arts movies. And then by the time I was older, I just hadn't watched Ferris Bueller's day off. And I thought it was cool. Nice. Yeah. It's one of those things. It's funny. I just picked up the, um, the police story, the criterion edition of police story. Oh, so I'm going to get yeah. him into those soon. And, the, and there's a Bruce Lee box set coming out too. Cause I Bruce Lee is one of my huge black holes. Mm-hmm. all of his old stuff so um that's definitely stuff he loves like the kurosawa samurai movies so yeah we'll, yeah. we'll upgrade you to that that the, the but the hong kong martial arts movies are very oh have you seen the 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 new police story that came out maybe 2004 2005 was it super cop or something like that it was like police story no three? there was um there was a police story that was made in the maybe 2005 2006 it's called new police story and it was when Jackie had done a bunch of his American movies yeah. and he went back to Hong Kong to make this new police story. It is, I put on my, my list with Norm Wilner recently. It's one of the most gritty, dark Hong Kong action movies that he's made. It gets no love, but it's quite honestly one of his best acting performances. I got to watch it because I love the first two and I haven't seen the ones after that. So I will add it's, that to my list. It's unlike anything Jackie Chan has made. And I think that's why it doesn't get the, the recognition. That's um, interesting because the first two are kind of s- silly in a way, right? But fun. Silly in a way. Um, and then you're mentioning Bruce Lee and it's so great because there's that 30 for 30 documentary on Bruce Lee coming out this month. So it's like perfect timing. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. All right. Well, you don't know much about Ferris Bueller and neither do you. I think this is like yeah. a perfect way for us to go into it. I'm so excited to get both of your takes on this movie. He's been into, like, we we watch a lot of old 80s films, and he enjoys how seemingly inappropriate they are at times. So inappropriate. It's a father. It must be interesting for you to, like, kind of stop, you know, or at the end of it, have a discussion with your son of just or your children of just like, hey, this is an example of growth that we have taken as a society, you know? Yeah, and um, stuff that's just not funny anymore and shouldn't have been funny then. Yeah, I find that a common thread in a lot of those movies is is a lot of like anti LGBTQ plus, like a lot of like anti trans jokes. Um, that's played and, for humor, yeah. Yeah, it's played for humor, um, and 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 so that's always something that gut wrenches me a little bit here. So I hope, but I hope this movie outside of that pitfall um, will hold up in other ways because at the end of the day. Who doesn't like to think of themselves as a teenager who skipped school one day? And I think that's all I know of the movie. Please just live up to that. I think we're good. I will say without spoiling anything, this is like the ultimate. There's a reason why I don't think there's any other movies about skipping school. Because this one like was the first and the best. And I don't know how you would outdo it. Other than just going like crazy over the top. But 
it's kind of the, the quintessential. Like John Hughes just kind of hit it out of the park. I think without Jeremy Lalonde, you 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 are before me watching this, laying down the gauntlet. You are hyping it's it true. up. I'm hyping it up way too much. <laughs> I am. I, it's one of my childhood favorites. I will say, and I rewatched it um, a year or two ago. I think I was like in Walmart, and they had the uh, the Blu-ray or Best Buy. It was like one of those bins. They had like the Blu-ray for five bucks. It's like because <gasps> I only had a crappy DVD that was scratched. So uh, I picked up a rewatch and I was like, God damn, this is still good. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. A lot of John Hughes, like, I rewatched um, Criterion put out The Breakfast Club too. And it was like, when I rewatched that, I was like, you've seen The Breakfast Club? No. Oh, shit. <laughs> that's another one. That's, that's the other. I know. That's like the detention movie. That's the John Hughes. I haven't seen movie. that Pretty in Pink. Um I think the closest I've seen to those movies is Weird Science. I saw Weird Science. Oh, fuck. Weird Science does not hold up. That movie <laughs> is like, you watch that and you're like, Jesus. <laughs> I will say, if that's like you're into like John Hughes, you're about to be delightfully impressed because he takes like a leap towards progressiveness with these movies, as silly <laughs> as they are. But Breakfast Club, in so many ways, is almost like as close to like a high school movie gets to like great theater. Mm. Uh, just in, in how I'm watching it now, even as an adult going, man, some of the stuff they're talking about, because what they're really doing in breakfast club is breaking down all of those tropes from what we're talking about is like, you know, the nerd, the jock, like all those, and they're really deconstructing them in a way that it's like, it's so progressive and ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. Breakfast club is great. I can't wait. you, you could watch it now, Ephraim, but it's like you will appreciate Breakfast Club more when you're in high school. Okay. And you start being in that environment. So it's like I would I would save that one for you. Are you because, saying I'm going to be in detention? No, no, no. It's not about that. It's just more about like once you're – because even now still I think people go and like fall into, you know, cliques and, and groups and that kind of stuff. I think it's inevitable. Um, Ephraim, I think, I think what your dad is saying is like the really cool thing about really good – media like videos and tv shows is that they they reflect our culture or our history like i went back and i don't know if you if, if you two are fans but i went back and rewatched star trek deep space nine twice in the last maybe 10 years and every time i rewatch it i get something new because it reflects something you're going through um and so yeah i think really that's that's the power of good storytelling you know, it holds up, it reflects, it connects. Yeah. And especially with movies like from like my childhood that I love, like being able to watch them now as a parent, you get a whole different thing out of it. It's interesting. Yeah. Well, hey, man, without further ado, let's, let's begin it. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I'm excited. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Okay, so we, we finished a little while ago. Yeah. And what do you think? So prior to me watching Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you had hyped it up. And you said, I really Andrew, did. You, re- like, you really spent some time hyping yeah, it up. I screwed um, up. And <laughs> I think for the most part, you are correct. It is a very good movie. And you had said that... Um, there's a reason why they haven't remade it or they haven't made anything like it. And I agree. This was done so well that they could, they should not try to make it again or make anything resembling it. Yeah. It's really what's unique about it. And I was thinking while I was watching it this time around, it's just, there's this level of wholesomeness to it. It's not, there's not, there's nothing in it that's profane. They're, they don't resort to any kind of like potty humor it's just, it's good, clean fun. There's no like, I mean, there's kind of a bad guy in the, in the, in the guidance counselor. He's not a principal. I think he's a guidance counselor or something, right? Or truant officer maybe. Yeah. Is what Rooney is. But it's, it's just kind of just good, clean fun. And it's not even like, I remember there's all these iconic scenes, but it's like, there's not, I mean, the stakes are fairly low, except for Cameron. I mean, we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um but it's really, it's just, they just kind of go along and just have a real nice day. Yeah. And I think if you were to remake it, people would feel really obligated to just go crazy with it mm-hmm. uh, and just like amp it up to 11, which would just kind of lose what's kind of simple and magical about it. Well, 
I, what struck me was that we had talked about movies holding up and I feel like this one didn't have that offside joke that I'm like, oh, that doesn't exist in 2020. This one, I was like, oh, there's a few things that I'm like, okay. But at the same time, I'm like, well, that's just that's the humor of it. Um, but can we talk about how charming young Matthew Broderick, is, Broderick was, man? Four days. Like, for from the from the moment his eyes open in the bed, he is so cool that you want to be him. Like, I get it. I get the appeal of Ferris Bueller now. He was so cool. Everyone, and but, it's everyone, he's everyone's friend too. He's just that guy anyone can call and hang out with. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it, to go back to what you said about it being so wholesome, I think they've tried to take that character and like Stifler and American Pie and 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 uh, a few other movies, but Matthew Broderick plays it with in a way that has such a good intent, where he wants to push the boundaries, not to mess with others, but more so to have fun. And also because he feels like he feels like it's a way of engaging those around him. I think he genuinely cares about Cameron. Well, there's um, that that one scene early on in the movie that I kind of forgot about, and is probably one of my favorite scenes is in the in the kitchen when he's like, "No, you hurt my feelings. I'm yeah. going." And they have a real like heart to heart moment where it's like, "Yeah, you see that in in like movies with friends." And that's kind of what John Hughes does. Like John Hughes is kind of like this unofficial. Like he got teenagers in a way no other writer got, especially of his age. Like he's in his late thirties, forties when he's making these movies, and he he was able to tap into like the mindset of of teenagers in a way that is kind of remarkable. Like a scene like that just doesn't exist in most other movies about teenagers. And to the point where you mentioned it, it stood out to me that scene. Cause I'm like, there was this pause in the action. And what I like about what I liked about this movie was that they were willing to go somewhere and just sit there for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and whereas the movies today, what you're saying is they would take Ferris Bueller's day off and they'd say, we're going to turn this into the hangover and put everything at 200%. And we need to have all these cameos and explosions, but they are like, let's just sit in the kitchen. And, you know, it's, there's, there is such comedy with them on the phones trying to make the phones like that's a, that's a sketch. That's a sketch comedy. Um, it was so well done. Yeah. Ephraim, what, what, yeah. What, what's your take on this movie? It was, I, I liked it. I really liked it. What did you love? What did you like about it? Was there anything that stood out to you? What did you expect going into it? I didn't expect like the guy like trying to chase after him. Oh, the day. yeah, having like an antagonist. Uh huh. Jeffrey Jones, yeah. Oh, that's that's yeah. a deep dive. I don't know that one. Then, well, yeah. he, he, doesn't, he doesn't. He doesn't work anymore. That guy, uh, I think, is yeah. He doesn't. For, he doesn't work. <laughs> he, he's in jail for doing bad stuff. Uh, yeah, bad stuff. Uh, though I feel like this this movie does does parallel the bad stuff a little bit. Um, but if a weird did way. You, when you watch F- Ferris, did you feel like you connected to him? Like, did you feel like you kind of wanted to be him? Yep. Yep. Yeah. You're kind of yeah. like I'm. He is like a mini Ferris in the making. If I'm being honest, like he's the kind of kid that gets along with kind of anybody, and you put him in a room with like. You know, a kid that's into the arts, a kid that's into sports, a kid that's into music, and he can make friends. You know, I just thought that moment when he was on the I, phone and it's like the kids are going, it's like, here, give me somebody else. And it doesn't matter who, whoever randomly comes to the phone, they can have a conversation, Ferris can have a conversation with them. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it, it, it's, uh, it, it also struck me when, when you watch the classrooms, there were actually colored kids in the classrooms. And, and this is in the 80s. And so we're fighting for representation now. Yet in the 80s, to see a movie like this have even, um, there was a, a, an Asian police officer. Yep. And there are black students in the classroom. And then and when, and during it, the parade, it cuts to that group of black people dancing. Yes. And, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're all minor supporting characters, but they exist yeah. in the world. And I think, I think it's interesting how, how, you know, even 
30 years later, we're still, we're still, you know, fighting for it. But this movie was at least like showcasing the Chicago that did exist. So it kind of warmed my heart, but you're right. They're passing the phone and then the guy's walking down the aisle with a Pepsi can collecting money for Ferris Bueller later. Um, this movie, yeah, was, I, I understand it. And, um, I, two things, if I had seen this movie as a teenager, I would have had the biggest crush on, on, uh, on, uh, Mia, Mia Sarah. Yeah. yeah, Sloan. I would have the biggest crush on Sloan, but also I get Jennifer Grey now because I also haven't seen Dirty Dancing. Okay. So I feel like, like that's the thing missing, but I, 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 I've been told in the past that Jennifer Grey was one of these 80s girls. Yeah. Just didn't get it, but now I watch this movie and I'm like, I get it. There's a charm of both of them. Sloan especially, sitting in the, in the cab with the glasses on. Um, it's just like... Flirting with his dad? Just, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's just what what else I also loved was, um, and I think you'll you'll love this as like a, as a film guy, the scene when they're in the school and it's literally cutting to kids bored. There's a it, full minute of that. Yeah, and just one kid drooling on the desk, the giant bubble. My my daughter was watching with us. She's like, that is the biggest bubble. Yeah, again, yeah. another movie would wouldn't include that scene because Ferris isn't in it. But even the teacher, yeah, it, board, it, it, I mean, the beauty casting of Ben Stein oh, is just like, even, Stein. <laughs> even he's bored as hell. Yeah, he's bored as hell. And I, 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 what I love was in a world where everything is so fast paced and cut, like Liam Neeson jumping over a fence is 12 cuts now. This scene is just simple shots. Like you see Ben Stein in literally one locked off camera. You see the students. They took the time being there. Um, yeah, this movie is like a masterclass in simplicity. Um, yeah, even and, Ferris and, running home at the end, it's just like those oh, long, wide tracking shots through backyards. He cuts across, he cuts across the back of the car and the father looks over. It's so simple. Um, and, and we were talking about Jackie Chan and, and Ephraim, as you discovered Jackie Chan, one of the great things about Jackie Chan was, and he'll talk about it in his interviews. He hates moving cameras. He hates cameras that are like on shoulders. He, what he wants is a camera on a tripod and that's it. He wants to see the whole scene. And what I loved about this movie was it reminded me of movies where you set up a wide shot and you sit there and you watch it and it's yeah. not constantly moving. Especially comedy action. And that's what, I mean, Jackie Chan is somebody that I have always studied for his, how he does comedy action, because it's like, and I fought for that in, in my movies that I've done where I have big stunts where I'm like, if someone gets hit and falls, I want to see that in a wide. I don't want to cut to a close with them landing. I know it's fake. I want to see it happen. You know, let's do it as safely as possible. Nobody needs to get hurt, but it's like, I want to see that. That's what makes it awesome. Otherwise there's no point to it. Yeah. Uh, and he's just yeah. kind of a master of, of, of doing that in particular. Especially any, any American action thing is just like, like, if you look at the Marvel movies in particular, they're just like cut, 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 cut. Everything's covered oh, in an inch of yeah. itself because none of those actors yeah. actually know how to fight. That's what Jackie Chan has literally said. Jackie Chan has said you they cut because the actors don't know how to fight. They don't know how to take a hit. Um, so this one, even though it's not an action movie, they just took time in framing these the car sequences, the running, the running around the fence. Um, everything has a purpose. Everything has a purpose. The music is the soundtrack in this movie is bonkers. Yeah. This, the, the, well, firstly, I think it's like you hear the music and you're like, Oh, I know this song. Like it is a which, which, greatest oh, hits yeah. of the eighties. Yeah. But everything has a purpose. The music was so pur- like so purposeful, you know, um, even at the end, when Jennifer Grey's character changes in front of uh, Ferris, the music changes to elevate that character change. You know, I, I was blown away at that. Like, I, I in this movie only cost like five million to make. You know, and 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 it, it, it was so simple. You put money into things that 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 give you best bang for the buck, and music is one of them. Yeah, that's just yeah. it. They they put it. Guess how long it took him to write the screenplay? How long? Six days. Oh man. John Hughes was known for like cranking stuff out. He wrote Home Alone in four days. He 
he says. Yeah. With revisions, I'm sure, you know, revisions along the way, but he was known for just like cranking out scripts. And uh, we're still working on scripts that are like two years old. Yeah, no shit. Uh, but <laughs> that, that scene in the police station when Jennifer Grey is walking away from Charlie Sheen and she's just flustered mm-hmm. and all giddy is it's just like, if you don't fall in love with Jennifer Grey in that moment, when are you? Yeah, she's she's giggling, laughing, but like I from I I and this is something that like you'll see more in film. People who just make emotional noises and they just yeah. they can they can give by doing nothing. little things, right? Yeah, yeah, by nothing, right? And 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 she did that. So like well, it's, bringing it's, themselves it's in those it. moments. Yeah, it's the acting between lines, right? All right. Where, yeah. just, where you really find the character. And that's kind of the magic of great actors don't need dialogue to make memorable performances, right? They just do it. Here's a fun yeah. thing about Jennifer Grey. Uh, her and Matthew Broderick started dating during this movie. And, and oh, we're, wow. and we're like a couple. So the brother and the sister. And we're a couple after that like is. a year after. And... The, the the two actors that play uh, his parents fell in love and got married because of no this. yeah and they, they got divorced like I think later on but they were married for what? a beat <laughs> he, they're like in the divorce room and it's like what went wrong well the fact that we we got married thinking we're, we were these characters and Ferris was our son that was yeah, the we, yeah, thing that went wrong Matthew Broderick wouldn't come live with us and uh, and there was no sequel. I the the movie is 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 really just like twelve big scenes, and and I like that they sat in all these scenes. They just sat there for a long time, and so I think simplistically, it is literally one day and one very long day where time does not time is magical. Like time they they take yeah. in a baseball game at the one point. I mean, we don't know that they stay for the whole game, but. But like, it, so we're in quarantine right now. And there's literally like, if I sit down and write emails, I look up and I'm like, I've written two emails and it's three hours later. Like what has happened? Whereas they drove through Chicago traffic. They went to a game. They had lunch at a fancy restaurant. They, he went swimming in the morning. He sat at the pool and then went swimming again after school. Like, yeah. Um, Here's but the I thing. think that's the joy. Yeah. Also, for some reason, there's a giant parade downtown Chicago on a weekday. During the day, middle middle of the week. <laughs> it's like, what parade is this? This does not exist. Yeah, and like not sparsely attended, like fully attended with people. And um, but I think those are things that we you let we, go. We yeah, we we accept things. Every movie, we have to accept things. Like when I watch Wanted, Ephraim, when, when you watch Wanted, it's a cool action movie. But the moment I accept bullets can be curved, the movie became a hundred times better. So in this movie, once I accept that he, he, he's not a truly a teenager, he's an adult playing a teenager, but this is a day in a fantastical world, it, it, it threw me back to a place of like a kid again watching this movie and just feeling like, oh man, I want to go on. I, and I genuinely do. I would love to go on an adventure right now because to leave my house would be very fun. Yeah, especially right now watching this movie during isolation. Yeah, Matthew Broderick, I think, was 23 when he made the movie. Yeah. Alan Ruck, though, who plays Cameron, was almost 30. He was, like, 29. I could see that. Uh, I could see that. Yeah. Cameron has yeah. always been my favorite character. I mean, I love Ferris Bueller, obviously. But yeah. it's like Cameron. Yeah. Cameron's the one that – I mean, Ferris doesn't really change. You know, I think no. I would, you would. I would argue Cameron's the lead character of this movie because he has the biggest arc, uh, and the secondary to that is the sister. I mean, mm-hmm. really, uh, Matthew Broderick is the same. He doesn't really learn any lessons. He doesn't, you know, learn that he shouldn't skip school or anything like that. Nothing changed between him and Sloan, other than she. You know, they're apparently going to get married at some point. Molly Ringwald begged John Hughes to to give her that part and he wouldn't do it because he said it's not big enough for you. Which one? Oh, really? Sloan. My Reynold is a huge 80s actor. Um, yeah, in that time. But yeah. that's I think that's what I enjoy about the movie because cinematically we, we watch a lot of things and we talk a lot about what's the character arc and it's deceiving here because 
we think Ferris is the main character. And though he is, he is the agent of change for these two other characters, which in turn increases their value. Um, and I think a lot of, like I connected to, I think all kids want to be Ferris, but we deal with the emotional baggage of a Cameron. Yeah. Like the reality is we all carry with us some sort of baggage from growing up and Ephraim, you're, you're coming into a world that is so much more kind than, than we knew. And then from future previous generations. So with Cameron and his stuff with his dad, um, though I can't relate the same way. I'm like, I get it. I, I, you know, that feeling of helplessness. And what's amazing is we never meet his dad. Never. It's it's all just from like, but you get it because the shorthand, you just like, you understand the kind of father that would be to create Cameron. I mean, the, the only way you, the only thing you need to describe Cameron is just to look at him and be like, this is a guy that wears suspenders and a belt. And that's all you need. It's like, that's who Cameron is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and his dad's license plate on his prized car is nervous. Like that's what's oh, Oh, I, did, I missed N-R-V-O-U-S that. N R V O U S or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. There's a lot of layers to this movie, and I think that every generation of teenagers needs a film to relate to, and and every generation needs a film that gets them. And this would, in my mind, consistently connect to every generation, like that we talked about with with the Breakfast Club, and I yeah. feel like this would do the same. Like I. I feel like now like you have this privilege of watching with your son. I'm excited to watch it when my son is 11, 12 to be, to, to connect with him. Cause I think it will still hold up, you know? Yeah. Well, that's just it. And, and, and again, like the reason why a movie like this hasn't been, I think no one's tried to do like the skipping school movie is cause it's, it's you can't make one without it being put on a bit like, compared to this. Yeah. And it's like, what are you going to do? This movie hasn't done because it has those unexpected scenes like those. And they're all, and they're all Cameron scenes. Like that scene when he, with the car at the end, yeah. you are mm-hmm. not expecting that, that emotional breakdown. And, mm-hmm. No, at the very end when. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, yeah. like, when oh, you first meet him. When you first start the movie. Yeah. 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 What did you think of Cameron? Like throughout, cause he's kind of a stick in the mud in a weird way. Right. Yeah. He's not the typical best friend character in a movie like this. Yeah. But what did you think of him? I liked him. Yeah. As playing he's like from, dad. So here's a real, here's, a, here's, here's the downside now, okay? Were you ever bored during this movie? No. No. So. Were you sitting there wondering, like, is this going anywhere? Or you're just like constantly entertained by it? Because it's a very, was, there's almost no, no like, plot. I was like crossing my fingers and, and saying, please not end, please not end, please not end. That's Ooh, a good thing. That's Cause good. Because really, this movie doesn't have like a driving engine behind it. You know, nothing bad yes. ever happens to Fair. That's, I mean, the one downside is, I mean, it, <laughs> the one thing watching the movie this time, I was like, when they go to the restaurant and they pull that whole bit with Abe Froman or whatever it is, yeah, and they right. trick the guy and, and make him feel like a shithead. It probably never shows up. Like, in theory, yeah, he be showing up any minute for that table. It never becomes an issue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I asked Ephraim that question because I'm notorious at getting bored. Like, I am notorious for, like, partway through a movie just being like, oh, I'm done. Like, I – and a lot of times I can predict what's going to happen in a movie, and I think that makes me bored. But here's the interesting part. I knew what the ending was going to be. So, but the, because the movie was so enjoyable every minute of the way, I wasn't bored because John Hughes was willing to sit in these places. I didn't care about, oh, when's it going to get to the next thing? I was fully okay being with them in that moment. Um, and I think that's something that filmmakers should, should, should reflect on and remember. If you make the present really, really fun and believable and relatable now, we will sit and watch for such a long time. And we, we did. We watched them at the pool. We watched them in a car. We watched them sitting in the back of a taxi cab. At one point, they're tickling her. And I'm just like, this has nothing to do with plot. And I'm using yeah. quotation marks. But it has everything to do with, that's fun. Like you're messing with your friend. Like 
like that takes me back to messing with my cousins, you know, like doing something that would get us in trouble. Um, you don't see that anymore. And I, 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 that's what makes me sad. And this is, uh, with filmmakers kind of always saying, I need a bigger budget. I need a bigger budget. I say, you know what? There, at a certain point, yeah, you need a bigger budget, but you can also look at a product like this and be like, they did that just by sitting there. Where's the character moment? You know, where, where yeah. you don't need a bigger, this, this, this can be like, I'm pointing <laughs> my face right now. That can be the best special effect you've got. And, and the delight and the human emotion is like, is, is that in that spark and spending time with actors and doing that kind of thing and that kind of work is, is the, the moments that are going to be memorable. You know, it's like this movie has so many, yeah, people talk about the car scene. They talk about other stuff like that, but it's like, you talk about the, really, it's like one of the, you know, the, the biggest quoted line from this movie is probably that it's that, that line that he repeats at the very end with it. It's like, if you don't slow down, you're going to miss it. Or something like that. It's I'm I'm paraphrasing it badly, yeah. but uh, and that and that's kind of what, what you're saying too. Is like if you don't slow down, like you just got to enjoy the moment. Like you know, so many films yeah. and filmmakers are all about like, oh, if you have a kick-ass first ten minutes and a kick-ass end ten minutes, it's okay. It doesn't matter what's in the middle. But it's like, well, no, like the ending. Like you said, you knew what the ending was. Was that just because you figured out what was going to happen, or you knew the ending? Well, I say I knew I know the ending because it's not like there's going to be an earthquake and everyone dies or like it's not like, like Godzilla is going to come like yeah. you can make I can make a guess on where this will end. It will end back home and likely some sort of resolution with the parents and maybe Ferris dealing with those. I, I didn't predict the car and I didn't see Jennifer Grey's turn, but you kind of knew where it was going to end. It started at the home. It was going to end at the home. Yeah. One thing so I love you know those parameters. Yeah. yeah something that, that I love that kind of like, and I've seen this movie like you know, a dozen times, but I was so wrapped up in it. And this is again, a joy of like, I don't know if you as like, as a, as a film television person as well, like, you know, I'll sit down cause I can, I watch a movie and I can, I watch, I, you know, primarily start thinking about it as a filmmaker and I, and, and same thing, I get bored. My, I know where this is going. I know this beat, this is this beat and this is going to happen. But it's like, and if I sit down to study a great movie, I almost never am able am able to, because um, because what inevitably happens is I get caught up in it, and I and I stop paying attention to like the structure and all these things because I'm just like I'm just in it. It's like oh shoot, and I forgot for a second about Rooney. So when his foot appears in that doorstep and Ferris is looking for the key, it, I had that moment. Mm. Where I was like oh shit, I forgot. But mm -hmm. like they they spent they spend just that perfect amount away from him in the story. And I was like, oh, right. Mm -hmm. Like just, just when you think yeah. he's gonna get it, because he's like, he's getting away with this way too easy, and then Rooney shows up. Let me they ask play you. that moment well because oh, they play the moment well because do you have Ferris lift up the thing, the the mat, and he oh he realizes, oh, where's the key? And they cut away to something else and they cut back. Like they take that moment to really de delay the suspense, which I think uh, is great. Yeah. It's simple, it's simple, right? So what were you gonna say? What do you think is because on the way home, he bumps into his mom and his sister in the car. The sister sees him, they have that close up of the eyes, the gritting of the faces. She wants to bust him. Mm -hmm. What is her arc? Like, what makes her save him, do you think? Um, I think, well, it, 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 so it, it, I think Charlie Sheen, <laughs> uh, Ephraim, you'll, you'll at some point in time discover the. The, the lore that is Charlie Sheen that we know, but probably I think she spends her whole movie being so uptight and um, she has that moment with Charlie Sheen where she kind of lets her guard down. And it's, I think she realizes in herself that she also shares that rebellious side, like, um, like Ferris Bueller, like she shares that feeling with him. So I think when she opens up the door, her character is given this choice rat him out or does she say you know what i'm gonna go along with it this is this was fun yeah and so i think i think that's that's i think that's that's it these characters are given decisions and and she's given a decision to make and she makes it and i i, I and, and you asked that i didn't even really think about it and i think that's the, the thing about a movie like this it's like you you if you, you don't have to explain it and you don't have to like 
if you just do a good job giving us insight into the character, we'll believe you. Yeah. And there's a shorthand of brothers and sisters idea that they go from being mortal enemies to best friends within seconds. I mean, I don't know, I don't know about your sons, but my kids are certainly like that. They'll be playing with each other and getting along like two idiots in a, in a potato sack. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's a war. And then, and just as easily yeah. it flips back and forth. So, but it's like, you see that it's like, and also there's something about like Rooney. I think she, at this point she knows it was Rooney that was in the house. And so it's just this idea of like a common enemy. You know? Yeah. And he's an, he's a very easy common enemy. He, I think there's just something about him and I feel bad for him because I'm sure that afterwards it was hard for him to get work in anything outside of something like this. Yeah. Um, well, he was in Beetlejuice. So, he was the dad in Beetlejuice, right? He, yeah. Once again, someone you don't really, <laughs> really like. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was, he was always that but, kind. Yeah. He was always kind of smug, you know? Yeah know-it-all and and held you down yeah i love um, this scene when um they're dealing when they're at the school and he's doing dealing with the phones and he uh he knows, oh. he's busting her he's busting ferris and then they do that when cameron calls and then you realize yeah. it's just like that pushing on him it's just like at that point yeah. you have, it hasn't been revealed to you either what uh what's what's happening right i thought cameron was still in the car yeah, you, it, it got you for a second. You're like, oh, shit. He's talking to a yeah. real adult like that. I love that actress yeah. that uh, plays the secretary. Yeah. She's so great. Oh, yeah. Ephraim Seen playing Trains in Automobiles. So he's she's like, had such a good good living being like the perfect like mom. But also like she carries, she has a status about her that is very chipper. And in this one where she runs in and she's trying to get his attention and that's it again. No words, just all physical. Like, and and it's it's that moment you're just like, you fucked up. Stop, 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 stop. And she does it, and it's great. And I I, I think that, um, but there's like that's that's it again. There's no camera cuts. There's no punch in to like her while she's moving. It's just like it's a simple shot of her coming in. So I think this is just a throwback on like on like simple filming, and um, uh. I think it just works. I think I think because they put their money into a dope score and soundtrack and they put time into just like sitting in places, it allowed for so much more naturalness to come out yeah. of, of, of the film, you know. Um, can we talk about Pontiac Fieros? Yeah. Um, <laughs> like yeah, that's not a real there's certain her. things that date. Oh yeah, and and and, and Ephraim, yeah. uh, Pontiac Fiero is a car from the mid '80s that is probably very unsafe. It's a two seater. It's the car she was driving. But when I saw that Fiero, I'm immediately taken back to the '80s, early '90s when Fieros were a thing. There's no I, to me. There's no more iconic car from the '80s than a Fiero and a Delorean. Yeah. No. So yeah, I just overall I really enjoyed the movie. You you had said that you had said there's a reason why they didn't remake it. There's a reason why they haven't done it like it. And you're right. If they did, they would try to make it the Hangover. They'd make it Ferris Bueller's Hangover um, Day of Fun, and that's not the idea. This was a, uh, a a simple, wholesome look at like what a teenager would want from the day, sprinkled in with problems in this web. And it kind of ends with him back in bed and his, he gives the moral of the story in a way. Now that I say he gives the moral of the story, it's like, he's the storyteller. Yeah. He's the storyteller and the main characters are everyone else around him. And he's telling the story to you, the viewer, almost in like a princess bride kind of way of like, Hey, let me tell you a story that I was a part of. And this is it. Yeah, he's your entry point of this world. Yeah, it's interesting. They tried to do sequels to this movie, and Matthew Broderick just wasn't going to have it. He's like, "There's no need for it. Like, the movie is perfectly self-contained." They wanted, you know, they came back to him years later and said, "What about Ferris at college? What about Ferris taking a day out?" And then it was like taking. I think the closest they ever got was like 10, 15 years later. There was this. um, It could have just been a fan petition too. But there was rumblings of, of of a movie about Ferris as an adult called Save Ferris, and it was about him trying to get a day, day off a day off work. Wasn't there a television show 
Not of this. There was an Uncle Buck television show. Yeah. There might, I don't think here. there would have been. Um, what does the internet say? Uh, no. In, in, in the 1990s, series Bueller called Ferris Bueller. Oh, God. For, for NBC. Um, the series was canceled after the first 13 episodes aired. Jennifer Aniston played um, the sister. Bone? Oh, the sister. Yeah. Oh, I wonder if you can find that on YouTube. I feel like we need. I, I feel like you and I after this need to watch Ferris Bueller. <laughs> I kind. I can't yeah. imagine it's good. Who plays Jennifer Ferris? Aniston, um, Charlie Sh- Shatner. Charles Charles Thomas Shatler, um, since the early '90s, has been primarily a voice actor. Yeah, I don't want to watch this at all. That's hilarious that it was. um, And Brandon, all these. Oh, Cargo and Guinguino, isn't it? Cargo and Amy Amy Dolan's the the daughter of of Mickey Dolan's from the Monkees is 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 slow. Oh, I kind of, I mean, I'm so curious about this and then so, uh, and then I don't ever want to watch it, but I'm very, oh, there's totally YouTube. Directed YouTube an episode. Dude, YouTube has the pilot. Oh. YouTube has oh, the man. pilot and episode four for oh, sure. we're going to watch this. Oh, uh, if we're watching this after, it's going to just ruin it. <laughs> from, I think you need, I think you need to watch the, the, the pilot after with your father, just as the reason why, um, people don't want things remade yeah yeah well watch just we watch like a, it. A, yeah this was really gonna we're gonna watch and be like damn i, I wanted a season two <laughs> we're gonna get hooked <laughs> it'll be the opposite if, if we here's the thing if if i like raised your expectations before watching the movie let me just lower them the hell right lower. down before you so dive low. in before you dive into the nbc jennifer aniston version of this <laughs> but it, it it goes back to what you're saying is like there's it, it's a perfect single movie there's no more to be done with it and and so you know there's not uh, i'm a big fan of parks and rec and i felt like parks and rec ended so well they ended it so well um uh and so they ended it in a way that they couldn't come back to it though they did and it's fantastic uh they did a quarantine episode which made me cry but for the most part TV shows, movies, if they just find a perfect ending, just leave it. And every time they've tried to come back to it, I feel like they haven't been able to, to rediscover it. And because this is built in such a nostalgic way, to see Ferris in, in college or Ferris as a dad, I just don't think would ever work because this works yeah. just as a day. It's a single day. Let that day live. It's the greatest day ever told. Yeah. Let that be generations of teenagers i always think of the unofficial sequel to this movie being election oh i haven't seen that i haven't seen election so uh, matthew broderick plays a teacher in that movie a high school teacher uh, is reese witherspoon in this one reese witherspoon yeah it was like her breakout performance yeah. uh mm. no relation other than it's like fair than matthew broderick in another movie about high school but there's just something about it mm. where i go like wouldn't it be hilarious if this is what ferris became uh, and a, very, a really sad it went his it was a more like if Ferris became Cameron <laughs> is where mm. election goes. But uh, yeah. oh, election's great. Election's think, another great Matthew Broderick performance. So yeah, I think that's been a take on on sequels where you take the the character. But like I I don't know why you would ever want to do that because I feel like I feel like movies are watched to be we, we watch movies to feel emotions so we have such a strong emotion coming out of this one why do it it's like why tom hanks didn't want to do the f- sequel to forrest gump because the sequel to forrest gump was apparently very sad like really really sad forrest loses all his money lieutenant dan screws him out of the company um uh why would i ever want to see that you know yeah and and so i i think that they've been right about not doing it. And like back to the features, another example where like Bob Gale, they put into the, to the, to the breakdown. They will never, they will never go back to this as long as he's alive. Yeah. They're um, not, well, there's no, they're not allowed to remake it. And Zemeckis, yeah, they're basically no. saying we're in, we're, in, we, they kept 
the rights to it. And like, we're almost like borderline, like, no, you know, the closest what they did is like that cartoon show about Doc and his kids, uh, which is <laughs> yeah. like, that, and that's fine. You can go off and do that. I think, cause they, they don't really, I don't think anyone ever considers like animated kids spinoffs as canon. Yeah. Um, Though I, f- I feel like, now that you say it, I wonder if Ferris Bueller could live in a, uh, you know, those like games on, on iOS where it's like Mafia Inc. where you make decisions. It, 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 I, I wonder if game. Ferris Bueller could live where you could I'm, like, you have to like, basically it's as Ferris Bueller's Day Off, but you have to complete the day and you have to go make decisions that don't get you caught by your parents or by the school counselor. The closest thing there is to that actually existing is in the novel for Ready Player One, not the movie. Mm-hmm. Have, you, have you seen the movie? No, but I, I know what the premise is. So in in the movie, they go in. They there's a they go into another movie. Uh, yeah. I, won't, I won't ruin it and say what it is. But in the book, one of the challenges that they have to compete to win, like this key, which is like they have to win these keys throughout the story is they have to go inside the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off and re and you and you are Ferris as the player character and you have to like line for line movement for movement recreate Ferris's performance like down to vocal oh, wow. tics down to and so it's just fat like that movie that book is if you're an 80s nerd kid that book is just like a treasure trove even more so than the movie of just 80s stuff but it's like I just love how and of course, in the movie, they do a far more cinematic, interesting thing. But I love that that was the choice that uh, the author made in the book <laughs> as a quintessential 80s yeah. thing. Um, oh, and, and that, that's clearly an author who was inspired by this movie. Ephraim, what do you want to say? Uh, I love like Cameron's like trance. No. If Cameron was in Egypt's land, let my Cameron go. Like, when, when he's just like thinking about like the mileage. Oh, when oh that part when he go when he just like when he goes catatonic for a moment. Yeah, no, a moment. That's like twenty minutes. It's true, they lose him for a bit, and then they have, uh, and then Sloane realizes he was she was he was perving on her. I, that's the closest the movie gets to having a moment like that, where she's like, "Were you watching me when I was changing?" And when I thought you were catatonic, and he just kind of smiles. It it makes yeah. it adorable, and, and she's, because she's okay with it. It's because it's Cameron, and it's also Cameron. It's like Cameron's not going to hurt a fly. Yeah, and I think, I think at the same time, you know, we're we're in a culture right now where we have where we are like very conscious about those types of things. Um, that didn't that didn't jump out to me because Sloane's character is written with such wisdom, um, and I feel like I feel like there's such camaraderie there, but I understand how the perception could be very, it could be very creepy. So it wouldn't make it in a, in a movie made today, but on this, on the scheme of eighties movies, that's like low on the terribleness of, of what things have done. So innocent. So well, even yeah. like you've watched it, if you know, like the Sandlot, there's that scene where the kid, have you seen, ever seen the Sandlot? Oh, where he kisses the lifeguard. Yeah. He, like yeah. He fakes like, like drowning. Yeah, we're, yeah, I mean, he's this nerdy little kid, so you you kind of it's endearing, but it's like, oof, that, uh, that there's no consent behind that moment at all. That's a yeah, um, yeah. yeah. That does that does not that see like, it, 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 yeah, movies like every movie I watch from the past, but this one didn't 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 jump out as as much, and 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 but everything we watch is a reflection of like we're constantly asking these questions. But I feel like Ferris Bueller's Day Off holds up um everything down from the storytelling to the script to the acting to the soundtrack to the pacing i wasn't bored of it it was a minute it's an hour 40 minutes and it felt great and the fact that you from your saying i was hoping it would never end i was like that's really good because that's being a teenager man that's being a teenager yeah hoping it doesn't end hoping it doesn't end but knowing it will if ferris is going up he'd say like they're going off to college um yeah, and that, and that's good to hear because I know like when I've rewatched um, or done movies like from like of this ilk on the podcast with people who are first time viewers of that film, I'm always curious. I'm like I'm coming to it with nostalgia and with like a childhood like 
pass on it mm-hmm. where I'm just going to enjoy it because I enjoyed it as a kid. And I'm going to let certain things go. So I'm always like, I know when we, I rewatched um, Princess Bride, uh, Alan Backus mm-hmm. was on that episode and he's just like, I get the appeal, but it's like, it doesn't hold up in the way that you guys probably think it does. And, uh, and maybe just going with how problematic some things about it were, where I'm just like, that movie gets a pass nine times from Sunday for me. I just, you know, think mm-hmm. it's magic, but so it's, it's always nice, especially you, like both a kid who, I mean, he's not a typical kid that's like, just is watching, you know, things that are just like wham, bam, wham, bam. Like, you know, he watches three hour Kurosawa movies with me and stuff like that. So he's a bit more, att- well, you're, you're just more attuned to like a pace and not everything, not having to be fast paced and just overly edited. Can we do Seven Samurai for a podcast? I've already done it. Sorry, dude. Oh. Well, and, and, and you're, you're the child of a filmmaker, so you should be in tune with like the narrative storytelling and pacing and such. And the fact that you liked it so much and you weren't bored and you didn't want it to end, it makes, makes, me, makes me so smile because I felt the same way. So this movie can make adults and children feel that this connect to this nostalgia, this specific nostalgia. The only um, reason why yeah, I'm- man. The only reason why I'm hugging him right now is we're we're gonna probably have like a boys' weekend kind of, <laughs> and, we're, and we're gonna watch three movies. And um, He's a, you can might as well tell him. Oh, <laughs> your mother's gonna hear. She's in the other room. Whisper it. Um, Deadpool one, two, and Watchmen. Oh, I let what, him what are those movies? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I let him read the Watchmen comic, and uh, then he oh. there's a movie. So he's he's getting uh, enjoying that. It's mostly appropriate for you. Mostly, mostly. <laughs> I grew up as a rat. Hey, a... Ephraim, can I you watch? Your, can you ask your dad? Can you ask your dad if he, you could watch RoboCop? Because I feel like that's very appropriate for you now. No, don't <laughs> don't yet. let him watch RoboCop. No, there's that a movie. Things. That movie doesn't hold up. That firstly, that movie only holds up a nostalgic value, but that movie, especially number one. It's very disturbing. Wait, have, have you now. seen like Watchmen? Have you seen Watchmen? I don't think so. I might have, but I don't think so. Yeah. so. For me, it's like I don't mind him watching like harder content if I think it's going to elicit a good conversation between us. Um, yeah, we had a conversation we, before this. Yeah, but no, but that's just no, it. It's no, just, no, 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 no. Which one? No, we don't need to get into that. Uh, but <laughs> we got secrets. Um, but the it's it's just for me it's just like because I think the problem is a lot of people show things to get to their kids that they may not be ready with it but then they just leave it where it's just like we you know if I, he's gonna read it or see it it's like we're gonna talk about it we're gonna talk about the social context of it why it's there why we're doing it you know and I think that's the, yeah I, that's a smart way of doing it and like I love having conversations with my son after whenever I watch. Um, a movie and we've been doing it more and more. Um, and sometimes it's all narrative based. Like when we watched spider into the spider verse, we had a, like a long conversation of like, he's like, why, why did his uncle betray him? Like we talked about that storytelling, but then sometimes we, I showed him a movie, a, goof, a goofy movie. And there's a couple things in the movie that I was like, I should talk to him about this. And he was like really cool with it. And so I, I think films are meant to, to provoke thought um, and conversation but Ferris Bueller's Day Off provokes a good time. And so Joy. Andrew Fung, Andrew Fung, uh, I Bruce. endorse this movie. It is, it gets four fungs up. All right. Four fungs up? I, I, four fungs up. That's the best fung rating you can get. Okay, it's out of four. It's a rating system out of four? It's, okay. What is, what is, what is, what is now Toronto? Is it four ends? I feel like that's, I yes. think they're four. Are they four five? ends? Maybe they're five ends. They they're five ends. So I give this movie five fungs up. Whatever the top score is. Remember that, remember that line from The Simpsons and, and Homer's a food critic and he's like, I give this meal my lowest score ever. Nine thumbs up. <laughs> he loves everything. Uh, you got to go back and watch Simpsons. He is Please me. go and watch Simpsons. Oh, yeah. Um, that, oh. They're, they're going through. I mean, there's a lot to go so, through. But they're going through. Now there's, there's a lot you could really you could probably stop after season nine so yeah there's uh i i haven't seen i've only seen all the early stuff too 
but uh, they uh, for some reason I watched the movie first, the Simpsons movie, yeah. and then that was their their entry point into it. But they've they've got they're circling back around. Him and his sister are watching it together. Uh, me and my sister. You and your sister. <laughs> well, she's watching it without you. <laughs> no. She started watching. I'm watching it without her. <laughs> oh right. Well, there's we don't need to get into that. You guys are well. I give this five thumbs up. I love this movie. Thank you for for encouraging me to watch this movie. It was a delight. I give it. I give I enjoyed it. it. Ten time dicks. Ten time dicks. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's someone rated my movie, my James versus Future Self, as as time dicks. So I don't know why. Well, I know. Hey, why. man, take 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 it while you can, man. It's a compliment. They offer you time dick. You take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm so glad you liked, it. and it's also it's like for me it's like finding someone like you that hasn't seen a movie like this is like just is heaven. just heaven for me. Uh, so oh. yeah, so thank you, sir. Yeah. It's no, like, no, 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 no problem. You don't think it's going to be on a podcast? Yeah. Well, we'll do this again sometime. Hopefully, once the world has returned, you can come over and and we'll watch them. I've got a little like mini studio. I think the screening room. I think the next one we have to watch is Breakfast Club, man. Like. <laughs> The fact that I, I haven't seen it, I need to watch Breakfast Club. Let me double check. I'm pretty sure I haven't done it, uh, but for sure. Okay, I will flag it for you. I'm almost entirely sure. I've done over 150 episodes now, so my memory's getting spotty on which ones I've done and haven't. I'm almost entirely sure I haven't. So I will, I've got Amen. a beautiful copy of that too, because Criterion released it. So I've got a great copy of it. We're, we're going to sit down and, and, and enjoy high school. Wait, 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 wait. Have you done the Goonies for a podcast yet? No, I haven't found anyone in my like that hasn't oh, yeah. seen it. That that's it's hard to find. I, it, I interviewed the Goonies um in in uh last year I interviewed them. I interviewed um Sean Astin, um Corey Feldman and uh Jonathan Kwan at the Calgary Expo. It was a Goonies reunion. And I, I'll share this story. So I am backstage. Paul Sun Young Lee, my co-star on Kim's Convenience, and I are in Calgary hanging out. I'm, I'm, I'm hosting all these panels. We just did Back to the Future. I just hosted Back to the Future the night before okay. with Michael J. Fox, um, uh, 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 Biff, Doc, um, uh, pr- pr- uh, the principal, um, oh uh, Leah Thompson. So the next day is the Goonies. So I'm on a run. Um, and You're backstage, high as a kite. I'm, I'm, I'm rolling. And next day I got Chris Jericho. Like I'm, I'm the top of the game. Um, so we, I'm on stage. I bring out Sh- Sean Astin. I bring out Jonathan Kequan, bring out Corey Feldman. Corey Feldman comes out in like a silver jacket and one long bang on it, like over his face. And I'm nervous. I'm like, oh, okay. Cause you know, I think we have an opinion of Corey Feldman. He comes out and he starts chanting Goonies never died to the audience. And, and he was a delight. Oh, and I then I end up chatting with Jonathan, who plays short uh, short round and, and Data in the short round and Indiana Jones, Data and the Goonies, and I tell him how as an Asian actor he was all I had. Like for him to be a part of the gang meant everything to me. So after the after the show, he um, we exchange phone numbers. He texts he texts me a week later and says, "I've been I've been watching Kim's Convenience. I'm so proud of you." Then in Toronto, we do the Toronto Expo. We're backstage. I'm with the cast of Kim's Convenience. He leaves his crew to come over and say hi to all of us and just to catch up. So I'm here talking to one of the Goonies as he's my friend now. Yeah. It blows my mind. And and then he messages me after. He's like, hey, when the Kim's crew's in LA, I want to take everyone out for dinner. Like, I think he recognizes, more so now than ever, the importance of his role in, in Asian media and Asian culture. But... I got to interview the Goonies. And then another fun story, the whole time Sean Astin was trying to work his phone and I just looked over and I'm like, there's old man Sean Astin trying to get his phone working <laughs> during a live panel. Amazing. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, the, the Back to the Future one, because I did them twice. I did them two years in a row. Um, and that one's pretty, I've, I've had some pretty surreal moments in my career, that one. So the fact that you can text short round is like that. He was my as a kid too. Same like I'm. I'm you know I'm a, I'm yeah. a Caucasian male, but it's like as a kid I'm like I was all about short round. Like he was. Yeah, 
I, I, I made a, I, I made a joke to a friend recently. I'm like, I'm living this eighties dream because I can text short round, but I can also text Alyssa Milano. Like I, <laughs> I have her number on my phone cause we did a movie together. And just like, if you're an eighties Katie, you grew up in that time span. Like Alyssa Milano was like such, such a figure, you know, for, 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 for teenagers. And I just, I, I sometimes just like giggle. I'm like, that is so random. Yeah, I, I am. Yeah, so. I'm the same way with like my Daniel Stern thing now. Where I'm like, I can. I yeah, can you getting Daniel, Daniel Stern, Stern was was is 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 such like a especially because Home Alone is has I think like kind of come back into the mainstream, especially after those Google Home Not ads, yet. and and so the fact that you got him to do your movie, I was like, that's amazing. Yeah, know? he was amazing. Um, yeah, aim big and 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 he was he was nominated for for an award, right? Yeah, he was nominated for Canadian Screen Award. Yeah, he was nominated for Canadian Screen Award. Yeah, um, so that's 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 so awesome that 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 you both mutually found that. And I, I I love that about about filmmaking right now. But yeah, that was my Goonies to my Back to the Future story. But like, what a world! Amazing. What a what world, world we live in. Yeah, it's true. We're very blessed. All right, it's time for bed for this guy. Wait, no, it Time for bed. It's totally Next time we Breakfast Club. Oh, Next time, text okay. Emilio Estevez. Oh, you, you, had, you had a final thought. What's your final thought? Well, yeah. What's your final thought? You gone? It better be good now. Um. Oh. Oh no. It's gone. Aren't you like two away from like Woody Allen? Two away? Oh, we were playing the Six Degrees game. It's not that hard once you're yeah, because Daniel Stern worked with Woody Allen, so I'm like one degree away from Woody Allen, I guess. If you play the game. And now I'm one degree away from Spielberg because I know you and you know Short Round. I'm two. Yeah. Oh, they told me their pitches because uh, Corey Feldman and Sean Aston had been pitching Spielberg for a Goonies, a Goonies sequel. They had, they had all these ideas. And then they just t- told me a story of how every time Spielberg's like, nah, we're good. <laughs> like, like every time I was like, nah, we're cool. No. Hilarious. <laughs> no. Doesn't work, guys. I know. Um, cool, guys. Well, this was super fun. Thank you for having me on your podcast. You too, buddy. We'll do it again. All right, man. Amazing, you guys. Thank you so much. With okay. you. Let's all go. To Thanks for joining us for Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.